politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Well, there's a lot to break down from the generals testifying today. The big takeaway, of course, is that when President Biden was on George Stephanopoulos' show and said, no one told him he should leave a small force in Afghanistan, 2,500 troops or so, he was, um, oh, what's the word for it? What's the word for it? Um, lying. That's right. He was lying. Good afternoon. Welcome to the podcast. Hope you're having a great day today. Thanks for being with me today. Appreciate it. Yeah, there's a lot to break down. I mean, it was, it's been hours. I've been watching uh, the whole thing today. It's been a very, very long day, action-packed uh, with lots of information. But obviously, the big story is that Stephanie Grisham, the former White House press secretary in her new book, claims that every time President Trump would get stressed, a music man would show up and would sing show tunes from the play Cats to calm him down. Now, I've been around the guy quite a bit. I've never heard a single show tune ever played around him. Never heard it at the White House or Marlago or his golf club. I, I never heard any show tunes. Not Phantom of the Opera, not Les Mis, certainly not Cats. And I think we can all agree Cats is the lesser play, of those three at least. And if you're going to play a show tune, you, you're not you're not playing Cats. I'm, I'm just, I'm throwing it out there. I mean, for me... It's, uh, you know, one day more from Les Mis, fire me up or something like that. But it's not it's not memories from cats. So, again, I don't think Trump's a big show tune guy. I'm going to limb here, but I'm going to call Fugazi on that story. So that gives you my stamp of Fugazi. This is the only stamp of Fugazi. Boom. Got to make it a thing. All right. Let's begin with Senator Josh, uh, excuse me, Senator Tom Cotton and his uh, thorough questioning of the generals today. I think it's important, though, before I do that, to refresh your memory on what happened initially, what, what the initial claim was, that President Biden was on uh, with George Stephanopoulos on the lesser show, I mean, the unbiased journalist show, and he was asked a question. The question was, did anyone advise you? Did anyone tell you that you should leave troops on the ground in Afghanistan, at least like a peacekeeping force or something like that? Did anyone tell you that? And he said, no. Would you like to listen to this? This is from ABC News, George Stephanopoulos with the president back on, uh, was about, I guess it was a little bit about a month ago, back in the, in, in the chaos of the withdrawal. Your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't. It was split. That, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. They didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay? No, not at, not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame, all troops. They didn't argue against that. So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. No one said that to me that I can recall, okay, that I can recall. That's, that's, what, that's what he said today. No one said that to me, which I can recall. Now, so the question becomes then, what, what did the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki say today when she was asked about this? Can, can she, can, does she, does she, is she honest here? Let's try to listen here. Go ahead. Jen, thanks. It might be helpful if you could just tell us what do you mean by split? What were they split between? What's confusing about that? Well, it's either one, they were advising that 2,500 troops should remain on the ground, or two, that someone was advising 
that it should be zero. Well, what, what? Uh, again, Weja, I don't think, I think it's important for the American people to know that these conversations don't happen in black and white or like you're in the middle of a movie. These conversations are about a range of options, about what the, the risk assessments are, about every decision. And of course, there are individuals who come forward with a range of recommendations on what the right path forward looks like. I'm not going to detail those from here. They're private conversations and advice to the President of the United States. Ultimately, regardless of the advice, uh, it's his decision. Uh, he's the Commander in Chief. He's the President. He makes decisions about the, what's in the national interest. No doubt. It's his decision. But the question is, did they give him advice? That's all. That's the question. He could have said, yeah, but I rejected it. Right. Does she deny does she deny that they gave him the advice to keep a, a small group of troops in there? Remember, Biden says, no, no, not to my knowledge. Right. Not to my recollection. So does Jen Psaki deny that point? We understand what split means. But remember, Biden says it was they were split. Then Biden says no one told him to keep people in there. So does Jen Psaki deny that? That's the question, right? Does she deny it? Dr. Knott Gibson, the, the president said his military commanders were split. We now know that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Milley, the head of CENTCOM, General McKenzie, and the commander on the ground, General Miller, all recommended the president keep 2,500 troops. So who in his military advisors told him it'd be fine to pull everybody out? I'm not going to get in specific details of who recommended what, but I can, I would reiterate a little bit of what I conveyed before, which is that there were recommendations made by a range of his advisors, something he welcomed, something he asked them to come to him uh, clear-eyed about, uh, to give him candid advice. Uh, what is also clear, though, and I'd also note again what Secretary Austin said today, is that was not going to be a sustainable over-the-long-term troop presence. We were always going to look at escalating the numbers, at potentially going back to war with the Taliban, at risking casualties. That was not a decision the president was going to make. But, of course, he welcomes advice. He welcomed advice. Ultimately, it's up to the commander-in-chief to make a decision. He made a decision it was time to end a 20-year war. But you are saying here that military advisors to the president said it was okay to pull all the troops out that it'd be fine. Uh, that's not what I said. What I said was they recommended, and I, I think we should not dumb this down for anybody here. We're talking about the initial phase post May 1. We're not talking about long-term recommendations. Mm, that's not true, is it, Jen Psaki? That's not true. That's spin right there, what you're saying. You're saying that what you're saying right now is spin. Let, let's, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we go back one more time and listen to exactly what was said, shall we? Should we listen to exactly what was said by the president on George Stephanopoulos' show, because then maybe we could understand a little bit exactly of what the president was saying. And we can know if Jen Psaki is lying or not. By the way, why isn't she president? Seriously, why isn't she president, considering the fact that she's much better about, about uh, spinning than he is? No doubt about it. I don't want her to be president, by the way, for the record. I don't want him to be president either, though. Take a listen. Your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't. It was split. That, that wasn't true. So you see, keeping about 2,500 troops. What did Jen Psaki just say? Oh, no, this was never about long term. No, that's exactly what it was. It was exactly about long term, keeping 2,500 troops there. Again, I, this is not because I'm advocating for that. This is because the president's flat out lying here. That's all. He's just flat out lying. That's all. Again, keep going here. That wasn't true. They didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay? Stay. No, stay. Not, at, not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame, all troops. They didn't argue against that. 
So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. No one said that to me that I can recall. Now Jen's spinning it like, oh, no, 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 what? no, no, uh, oh, no, no, we meant keep troops there till we leave. Huh? What? Huh? What? That, that, that's no, of course, we assumed you'd keep some troops there till you leave. But that's not what Stephanopoulos was asking him. And that's certainly not what Senator Tom Cotton was asking the generals today at the uh, hearing before the United States Senate today. So let's take a listen. This exchange is about two minutes, but I think it's very important to understand. I was driving when I heard this this morning, coming back from the station. I was listening to it live on, uh, on, on you know, through the whole car thing that you listen to live things. Um, I was I, I have the Volvo S Class today. I'm feeling very, very high end. I won't lie; it's a very nice car. But anyway, so I was listening to it. Surround, beautiful sound. This is not an advertisement, by the way. I'm just bragging that I have the Volvo S Class today. Anyway, so uh, so this is the exchange. General Milley, it's your testimony that you recommended 2,500 troops uh, approximately stay in Afghanistan? Um, as I've said many times before this committee and other committees, I don't share my personal recommendations to the president, but I can tell you my personal opinion and my assessment if that's what you want. Yes, please. Um, yes, my assessment was uh, back in the fall of 20, and it remained consistent throughout, that uh, we should keep a steady state of 2,500, and it could bounce up to 3,500, maybe something like that, uh, in order to move toward a negotiated, gated solution. Did you, present, did you ever present that assessment personally to President Biden? I don't discuss exactly what uh, my conversations are with the sitting president in the Oval Office, but I can tell you what my personal opinion was, and I'm okay. always candid. General McKenzie, do you share that assessment? Senator, I do share that assessment. Um, did you ever present that opinion personally to President Biden? Again, I'm not going to be able to comment on uh, those executive discussions. Did General Miller ever present that opinion personally to President Biden? I think it would be best to ask him. I believe that his opinion was well heard. Uh, Secretary Austin, uh, President Biden last month in an interview with George Stephanopoulos said that no military leader advised him to leave a small troop presence in Afghanistan. Is that true? Uh, Senator Cotton, I, uh, I believe that, uh, well, first of all, I, I know the president to be an honest and forthright man. Uh, and just, secondly... Just a, it's a simple question, Secretary Austin. He said no senior military leader advised him to leave a small troop presence behind. Is that true or not? Did these officer and General Miller's recommendations get to the president personally? Their input was, uh, was received by the president and considered by the president, uh, for sure. Uh, in terms of what they specifically recommended, Senator, they just, as they just said, uh, they're not going to provide uh, what they recommended in confidence. I mean, it sounds to me, this is it's shocking to me, it sounds to me like maybe their best military advice was never presented personally to the President of the United States about such a highly consequential matter. Let me move on to another recommendation they are reported to have made. General Milley. Uh, Joe Biden has said that it was the unanimous, the unanimous. Okay, so that is the key takeaway there. That is that is the key takeaway from the exchange with Senator Tom Cotton and the generals today. What do you think? Do you, do you think the president's lying? Do you think the president's forgetful? It's very obvious they wanted a true presence to stay. They all did. 
long after we left Afghanistan. I'm not, I'm not endorsing that. I'm just simply saying that let's cut to the BS here and say that that's exactly what Biden was asked on, on Stephanopoulos' program, and he's, exa- he's 100% lying about it when he says that nobody advised him to do that. Remember, he was asked a question in the middle of this absolute chaos of a withdrawal. And, and, by, and by the way, 2,500 troops doesn't mean 20 years. It could have been six months. It could have been we got we stayed until everybody's out, 3,500 troops, till everybody's out, and then six months after that to make sure there's nobody left behind. And it's not, not unreasonable to suggest that, right? It's not unreasonable to think that, that maybe we just keep some people there for a period of time to make sure that we get every American out. Because one thing we also learned today is that we still have a lot of Americans on the ground there. We know that. We still have a lot of Americans on the ground there right now as we speak in Afghanistan. And just so you know, MSNBC, CNN today, coming after Biden for the fact that these generals contradicted his comments on Afghanistan. This is from MSNBC. Hallie, today. a contentious hearing with a number of key takeaways. One thing that immediately stood out was General Millian McKenzie uh, saying that they had preferred to keep about 2,500 U.S. troops in Afghanistan, saying they essentially that they opposed that complete withdrawal. And McKenzie, at least, saying he explicitly recommended that to President Biden. And that contradicts something that President Biden had said about just that. Let's roll the tape. Your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. Sir, I was present when that discussion uh, occurred. Mm -hmm. And I'm confident that the president heard all the recommendations and listened to them very thoughtfully. I recommended that we maintain 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. General Milley, I assume you agree with that in terms of the recommendation of 2,500? And I do agree with that. Now, MSNBC, there you go. MSNBC pointing it out. That's something, right? I know, it's something. I was surprised by it too. Just as surprised as you were that MSNBC would point that out in their reporting. CNN did as well. CNN did as well. So the question is, how many Americans are left behind? How many Americans are left behind? And this is a question that we have. And, and, and I really today did not leave with a firm answer on how many Americans were left behind. But I think it's very obvious that there's enough Americans on the ground now that you could justify why you would have kept a force there for a period of time, at least until we got everybody out. At least until we got everybody out. Another interesting point today, General McKenzie fact-checked President Biden and Secretary of State Antony Blinken's claims about Afghanistan terror threats. Because I've told you Blinken is an idiot. The guy looks like a a mortuary guy with the suits that don't fit him and everything. He's a cheap funeral parlor mortuary director. That's Blinken. And he's not very good at his job. Take a listen to this. There is still a terrorist threat in Afghanistan. Now, on August 20th, uh, President Biden had stated, uh, what interest do we have in Afghanistan at this point with al-Qaeda gone? Uh, First, I... I didn't recognize that al-Qaeda was gone. Um, General McKenzie, is al-Qaeda gone? Senator, al-Qaeda is still, it maintains a presence in Afghanistan. And uh, Secretary Blinken had said on August 22nd that the threat of terrorism metastasized out of Afghanistan a long time ago. General McKenzie, is there any terrorist threat in Afghanistan now? There is a 
we see what we see is ISIS newly rejuvenated with the prisoners that came out of Parwan and Polycharki prison. They're re, you know they're gathering their strength. We have yet to see how that's going to manifest itself, but we know for certainty that they do aspire to attack us in our homeland. And we know the same for al-Qaeda. So that threat, it has metastasized, and it is resident in other parts of the world. My, in my part of the world, though, it certainly is in Afghanistan. Yes. It has been reported that the top 22 officials of the new Taliban government are known associates of al-Qaeda, including five terrorists who were once imprisoned at Guantanamo Bay and 13 more who were sanctioned by the U.N., the United Nations, as terrorists post-9-11. And I'm very alarmed, um, Secretary Austin, that your Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, Colin Call, claims there is a minimal threat. He called the terror threat from Afghanistan insignificant on a call with senators less than a month ago. Um, he's wrong. I think all of you would admit he's wrong. The FBI director even said that he was wrong last week. Um, he's in denial or he's lying. No, Senator Joni Ernst, by the way. Uh, I think it's important to realize and remember that the Biden administration told us that al-Qaeda was gone. They were gone. Al-Qaeda was gone. And actually, al-Qaeda is in charge, which that makes me think about what happened when 13 service members were killed uh, in, in an attack by ISIS-K. And all you can think about at, at, at that very moment is, well, the Haqqani network is in cahoots with, with ISIS-K. So clearly, if ISIS-K was going to be able to attack Abbeygate, they would have had to have help from the Taliban on the ground or al-Qaeda on the ground or both on the ground. That's very, very obvious. Remember, we went into Afghanistan 20 years ago to chase out al-Qaeda because the Taliban was giving them safe harbor. In the process, we chased out the Taliban, too. There's a time when President Bush says in a speech to the Taliban, hey, listen, Taliban, if you want to turn over al-Qaeda, great. If not, we're coming after you. We're coming after you. Remember that? And now the same people that were running the Taliban then are back in charge now, and al-Qaeda's back, too. That's the reality. CNN panel discussing Biden's contradiction of his general's testimony. <laughs> Take a listen. I want to start with you, Lieutenant General Mark Hurtling. Two of the top U.S. military officials testified today that they advised keeping 2,500 to 3,500 troops in Afghanistan. They told the president that was best. The president didn't go with his general's advice. What's your reaction to this? Yeah, it's, it's it's not a surprise. Uh, Anna. I, I think the president makes the decision based on what he wants to do. And certainly the secretary of defense and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and the combatant commander in the theater can offer advice about what they think is necessary in the country. And he can return by saying no. Uh, so it, it was a little troublesome to know that the president has made remarks about not having that kind of advice from the key military leaders, because I think anybody that, that has either been in or served in Afghanistan knows that most military leaders would have suggested that, at least as a course of action, one of the several courses of actions they gave them. Sure. And let's play the sound that you're referring to. President Biden was asked about the advice that he got oh, regarding 2,500 to wow. 3,500 troops. And here's what he told ABC's George Stephanopoulos. Ooh, think uh, about this now. This is big. That MSNBC is even going to play the Stephanopoulos clip. 
Because normally you, you would assume that MSNBC would just be discussing climate change today or CNN, whatever, the same thing. This is CNN. You would, this is CNN. You would assume that they were just going to discuss climate change or something or have a panel of experts on how to groom your dogs, which is very, very key, especially cost of climate change. They can combine the two, actually, and do a whole segment on, is climate change making your poodle's hair more humid? Or is the humidity from climate change causing your dog to scratch more? I know it's like a Dinovite commercial, but it's not really. It's just how you combine two segments into one to avoid talking about the fact that the generals gave Biden advice and Biden lied about getting that advice on George Stephanopoulos' show. But no, they go there. They actually go there. And let's hear the reaction after it, shall we? In the days following all of this uh, end to the war. So no one, no one told your military advisors did not oh, tell you, no, we should just this. keep 2,500 it. troops. It's it been a stable so situation for the last Does several years. We can do that. We can continue this. to do that. You heard this. No, no one said that to me. They're not coming to call. Said, yeah, no, no. So, Gloria, how much yeah, of a problem I mean, is this testimony? Mm-hmm. Let me ask okay. Gloria, because, I mean, President Biden obviously contradicted, it appears, what his general said today. Right. I think I think it's a real problem for them to say this publicly, that, yes, they said keep keep 2,500 uh, troops there. And uh, but it isn't a surprise uh, that Joe Biden would reject their advice, because if you look at the history of Joe Biden and his relationships with generals, it's always been a little bit fraught. And even when he was in the Obama administration, uh, he and Obama played good cop, bad cop. Oh, uh, he was against was? the surge in Afghanistan, you will recall. And so it probably came as no surprise to the generals when the president now finally president got the opportunity to say let's get out of there and let's get out of there cleanly and i don't want anyone left right but But, gloria but gloria yeah yeah, thank you for stopping gloria borger spinning to protect joe biden this isn't an issue of joe biden wanting peace and the generals wanting war that's not what this is about here that's not at all what this is about what the generals were saying is we need to consider keeping a force on the ground in afghanistan for some time after we leave how long that period of time is we don't know six months a year six days who the hell knows but it's not a matter of the generals all wanted to stay, Biden wanted out. And this is a, like a plot of a movie where where there's a military coup deep in the night. This isn't the deep state undermining him here. This is advice that he ignored, but then lied about getting in the first place. And now they're trying to spin it. And what they meant, the generals were that, well, well, no, all they meant was uh, keep a uh, military on the ground uh, until we're all out. No, no, that's not even in question. It's after everybody was out, how long you keep the military for. That's what the debate was. But so anyway, the host here, Anna Cabrera, is going to jump in and stop Gloria Borger's spin. The, the point here is that is President Biden said nobody told right. him exactly. right. this. And the, point the generals are saying the opposite. Right. And I think that's something that uh, the president's going to have to address. I mean, the generals were very reluctant. You, you know, I don't like to discuss my private conversations with the president. But then they said to the senators, but this is what I would say, right? So it's very obvious that this is what they told Joe Biden. I think it is a question he has to be asked. And I think it's okay. a question he has to answer. Forgive yeah, you think so? I think so, too. What do you think? You think so? I, I, I would say that that is exactly the, the correct answer on that. Politics. Oh, hit the wrong button again. I'm going to get this right. Let's someday. cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli podcast. Anyway, 
the buttons all look the same. You know what I mean? That's all. It's the buttons. Yeah, Senator, I push buttons. Godfather 2? No? You got that one. I know you got that one. Uh, what else is on the uh, docket from today? There'll be a lot more on this, obviously. I mean, basically, the, the last thing I'll say on this point today is um, Leon Panetta, former Obama Defense Secretary Leon Panetta, who was Clinton's chief of staff, was asked on CNN what his interpretation is of the generals and what Biden said and what Biden said to George Stephanopoulos. And could this chaos have been completely avoided? Could this chaotic Afghanistan exit have been avoided in some way, shape or form? Remember, it's not saying that we had to stay there forever or even stay there that much longer in the, the military presence. It's a matter of we got the military out and surrendered Bagram Air Force Base before we had everybody out, our people, the civilians who couldn't defend themselves out. And then we basically turned security over to the Taliban. That's the problem. That's the issue here. And now there's no one on the ground. They said today that it's a very real possibility Al-Qaeda could be in charge again in the next three months, 30 days to three months. And we don't have anybody to defend the people on the ground there, the the Americans who are still on the ground, hundreds, maybe thousands, and our Afghan partners. That's the issue. But anyway, this is what Panetta said today. The point of a president's credibility, again, someone who has served in the sensitive positions you have. I want you to listen to this exchange here. This is Senator Tom Cotton making a point that after the generals had said they recommended leaving 2,500 troops, and after they made clear that that was their advice to the president of the United States, this exchange, listen. Secretary Austin, again, right? Why uh, President Biden last month in an interview with George Stephanopoulos said that no military leader advised him. See, would you, to you like? Leave would you? Well, Cotton's talking. Would you? Since you heard this already, would you rather me just Is send you? Man, uh, Senator Cotton, I uh, I believe alone that, uh, in the moon. First of all, uh, see, I know do you the president Trump to be to that? an honest and forthright. Did you man. imagine Trump uh, listening to secondly, cats? It's a simple question. First of all, I never would have helped him with his debate prep if that was the case. That was the first thing I asked him. I appreciate the offer, but I need to know uh, something. Do you like the play Cats? Their input was received and considered by the president for sure. Uh, Whether you were still the defense secretary or maybe the White House chief of staff, and you had to have a conversation with the president today and his press secretary before she spoke today, do they need to clean this up? Do they need to answer the question about the president's credibility? Leon. I I think it would be well if they uh, cleared up uh, the confusion that was raised by the uh, president's comments. Uh, Look, we've we've got the generals uh, presenting uh, some pretty clear testimony here as to what their advice was. Uh, I think uh, that there's no question that they presented that advice to the president. It's also clear that the president went ahead with his decision, as he has the right to do as president of the United States. Uh, But I do think it needs to be clear uh, that uh, the advice was given Uh, And the advice was rejected. The advice was given and the advice was rejected. And what uh, General Milley said today was a reconstituted Al-Qaeda or ISIS with aspirations to attack the United States is a very real possibility. And those conditions to include activity in ungoverned spaces could present themselves in the next 12 to 36 months. (laughs) Space, he used that term. I hate that term. In this space. Most overused corporate term ever, isn't it? Oh, man, if you're in corporate America, doesn't it burn you when they bring that up? Well, in this space, we are the leaders in this space. Yeah, we believe in this space will be very crowded, and we want to get into that space, and this space, and that space. Why don't you go into space, actual space, and leave us all alone with your annoying corporatisms? It's just certain things that just really bother me about that stuff. You know what I mean? 
Uh, what else should we talk about today? Uh, let's see here. Why don't we discuss the possibility of a, uh, you want to do a, uh, you want to do a carbon tax? You're looking for a carbon tax? That may be coming. Jen Saki, Jen Snarks today would not rule out a carbon tax, which is interesting because if you remember from the weekend shows, the unbiased journalist George Stephanopoulos suggested to Nancy Pelosi that they actually implement a carbon tax. Well, I mean, they're raising taxes and everything else. Why not carbon, right? Why not? Why not raise that too? I have a question about um, the not raising taxes on people who make over four hundred thousand sure. dollars, make uh, under four hundred thousand dollars. Would a carbon tax violate that rule, or would there be some way with a rebate, something like that, to make it okay with your criteria? Well, um, so on the carbon tax, first let me just say that um, there are a lot of ideas uh, being debated. Um, President has asked members to submit their own proposals, including on critical issues like how to address the crisis of climate change. So I just throw that out there because there's a lot of revenue raisers and a lot of options that are out there. Um, Obviously, the president put forward his own plan for addressing climate change that doesn't involve a corporate carbon fee. Uh, But as you can see from the corporate polluter fee embraced in the bipartisan infrastructure deal, polluter fees and corporations do not conflict uh, with the $400,000 pledge. So uh, in our view, that that would be one way. But again, there's a range of revenue raisers and options on the table. The president didn't propose this one. They're looking at a range of options. uh, And obviously, we're at a pivotal moment, as we've said. So basically, we're not ruling out a carbon tax because we're going to implement a carbon tax. So that's that's basically... You know, that's that's basically how that's going to work out. But then the moment that just happened a short time ago, as I came to press here, as they say in the biz, uh, Jen Psaki and Peter Ducey, Psaki and the Deuce, boom, got into it today. Oh, no, Terry Moran. Oh, I thought it was Ducey. I can't tell with the friggin mask on. Honestly, they look very similar. Terry Moran looks like Ducey's dad if his dad wasn't Ducey. But no, I'm serious. They look, they look very similar. So I initially thought I was going to get my Saki and the Deuce segment, but now it's going to be uh, a little bit. Maybe he'll jump in here on this. This literally just came through a few seconds ago. That's the beauty, the, the beauty of this podcast, is it not? You're getting everything literally as it's breaking. As it's breaking. Fantastic, right? Take, take, listen to this here. The president said his military commanders were split. We now know that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Milley, Boom. the head of CENTCOM, General McKenzie, and the commander on the ground, General Miller, all recommended the president keep 2,500 troops. So who in his military advisors told him it would be fine to pull everybody out? I'm not going to get in specific details no. of who recommended what. Why would what, you? But I can. I would reiterate a little bit of what I conveyed before, which is that there were recommendations made by a range of his advisors, something he welcomed, something he asked them to come to him uh, clear-eyed about, uh, to give him candid advice. Uh, what is also clear, though, and I'd also note again what Secretary Austin said today, is that was not going to be a sustainable over-the-long-term troop presence. We were always going to look at escalating the numbers, at potentially going back to war with the Taliban, at risking casualties. That was not a decision the president was going to make. But, of course, he welcomes advice. He welcomed advice. Ultimately, it's up to the commander-in-chief to make a decision. He made a decision it was time to end a 20-year war. But you are saying here that military advisors to the president said it was okay to pull all the troops out, that it'd be fine. 
that's not what I said. What I said was they recommended, I, I think we should not dumb this down for anybody here. We're talking about the initial phase post May 1. We're not talking about long-term that's recommendations. That's a lie. There was no yeah, one who said five years from now we could have 2,500 troops and that would be sustainable. Okay, I, okay. You see, this is, this is, this is Saki's spin here. All right, so let me break this down again. I did this a little bit earlier, but I'll do it again. Uh, you're a smart person, but it just infuriates me. What the generals were saying to the president is, Mr. President, when the military is gone, the Taliban's going to be in control. That's what they said they advised him today. They told him that. They knew this. This whole idea that we didn't know how quickly Afghanistan was going to fall, they knew, and they said as much today. What they said to him was, the minute that the military has gone, the Taliban's in charge. So you need to keep a presence on the ground until everybody comes home. That's the point. Stephanopoulos asked him that question in the midst of the withdrawal of Afghanistan, in the midst of the chaos. The question was not, hey, we're all we're, we're good now. Uh, everybody's home. Military's packing up. Think we should leave them there to hang out for a couple more years? No, that it was never the conversation. It was get everybody out. And then, then when everybody's out, then you think about when the military comes home, what that timeline's like. And obviously 2,500 people, 3,500 people is not meant to be there forever, but at least you can facilitate an orderly withdrawal. Every senator up there knows this withdrawal was a failure. They know it. They know it. And even Democrats were pretty hard on this administration today, shockingly enough. Not Maisie Hirono. All she cared about was, will Hawaii be safe? She's so dumb. Honestly, I, the, Maisie Arnold is the dumbest U U.S. senator that's not on the mainland. That would be Blumenthal, the idiot from Connecticut. But Hirono from Hawaii, I mean, she is just literally asking the general today, um, well, do I have to worry about Hawaii security? Will Hawaii be okay? I feel like raising my hand and going, from who? Like Godzilla? Like he's going to swim across and attack Hawaii? Or because I saw Godzilla versus King Kong, and I think it's a real possibility. Or are you referencing climate change again? Is that what it is? Because I don't know who's going to invade Hawaii. I'm pretty sure we have that covered. But, oh, and maybe she's responding to the news that China was was sailing some ships over to Hawaii. And maybe she thinks that there's going to be an amphibious assault on Hawaii. I'm not quite sure what she thinks. I don't think she thinks. Maybe I could find that audio for you. Maybe I'll play that. I'll have to play that tomorrow morning probably. But anyway, so this is this back to snarks, back to the lie here. Go ahead. I think that's important for people to know and to understand. It's also important to know that the risks we were talking about here were the possibility, the likelihood of increasing a troop presence, which we now know to absolutely have been the reality, given it required 6,000 troops nope. to just protect the, the airport, something we now know. But the president pulled all U.S. troops out. You are saying that there were military commanders who advised him that that was a good idea to pull all American troops out and that General Milley, General McKenzie, General Miller, they said something else, but the president's top military advisors, others we won't name, told him, sure, we can pull everyone out. That's not how these conversations go. It's a risk assessment for every president about what is in the interest of the United States of America, our military, and our national interests. And if we had kept 2,500 troops there, we would have increased the number of troops. We would have been at war with the Taliban. We would have had more U.S. casualties. That was a reality everybody was clear-eyed about. There are some, as is evidenced by people testifying today, who felt we should have still done that. That is not the That's decision not the president made. It's today. up to the commander-in-chief to make those decisions. Go ahead. Jen, thanks. It might be helpful if you could just tell us what... Okay, so now at this point, 
you can tell the press is not buying her BS because at this point now, Weijia Zhang is going to jump in. Okay, so 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 what what Sox is trying to do here, what Snarks is trying to do is to try to shut Terry Moran down. Peter Ducey's not non dad, shut him down, and then move on to a friendly face Weijia Zhang. Okay, Weijia Zhang, and that's the the clip that I played you earlier about the split. So Jen, I'm not quite sure on the split part of it. What do you mean split? That's what she goes. Well, this isn't like a movie. Uh, not everything's in black and white. Some people are split and some people aren't split. But she also, if you just noticed 10 seconds earlier, said everybody was in agreement that we were not going to stay in Afghanistan. So they're just flip-flopping all over the place today, like a like a fish out of water. Completely flip-flopping. Everybody. Now, there'll be a lot more on this, obviously, uh, tomorrow for you. But oh, am I going to regret playing this guy? I can't. I don't know. Can I play this guy? Here's the thing. This guy on TikTok. Oh, man. You heard about this guy? He was a FedEx employee, former employee, who profanely declared he wouldn't deliver packages to homes that show support for President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, or the Black Lives Matter movement. Vincent Paterno, a former driver for the company, was wearing his work clothes when he recently posted a video on TikTok. He said he spoke of the vice president in vulgar terms. He would not. I'm, I'm going to regret playing this, aren't I? But it was it was. Uh, <sighs> Let's see if he curses me, I'll drop out. What's up, TikTok? Come on here and uh, let all you know if you don't have a flag. In okay, hang on, hang on. I, I thought he was going to say everything. Your house. And if you have a Joe Biden, Camilla fucking camel toe. Nope. See, now he cursed. All right. I just, I just don't know if the kids are in the car. And I don't know how to edit this out, this stuff out. And I don't want you to have to like, like quickly jump across and have to hit the, the podcast thing. I don't want you to have to turn it off. I don't want you to do that. So that's all. Because um, kids like the show. They do. And I don't want to. Uh, I'm trying to be uh, family friendly here. So hopefully I was able to get that tiny little piece out just in time. Anyway, it's probably a good cue. I should end this in a matter of moments. So why don't we do that? But before I let you go today, um, I wanted to mention something I saw in the Wall Street Journal today about uh, entitlements for the affluent. The Sanders-Biden bill is full of subsidies for the upper middle class, a lot of them. And Bernie just tweeted out a short time ago that uh, the infrastructure bill and the big socialist welfare agenda bill, all of it, is now going to be coupled again. Bernie's mad. He upset the burn. He's furious. He's not happy. Bernie's not happy today. Bernie is not going to give an inch. He said today, and I'll read this to you. No infrastructure bill should pass without reconciliation. That is the agreement that was made, and that is the agreement that must be kept. Physical infrastructure is important, but the needs of working families and combating climate change is more important than infrastructure. So there you go. Infrastructure's out. And I knew that that was going to be the case. So for a family earning $400,000 could still get up to $8,000 a year in uh, some sort of little uh, little credits. While the credits phase out with income, though, they could still get a little bit of that. And then there's all kinds of different little goodies that you can get. And if you look at the social welfare spending bill, particularly with the electric vehicle tax credit. So this bill includes a huge new $12,500 electric vehicle tax credit. Now, since electric vehicles cost anywhere between $10,000 and $15,000 more than similar gas-powered vehicles, this money will mostly flow to, well, off-coastal dwellers, especially in California. A couple in California 
can make $800,000 a year, not unheard of, obviously, and still qualify for the electric vehicle tax credit, even though most of them already still drive those vehicles. They do. A lot of them drive them anyway, but they'll still get the tax credit. This is what we call government picking winners and losers. This is called the government now deciding who's in and who's not, who's a winner and who's a loser. And the electric vehicle things, clearly now, clearly they've decided that those are going to be the winners. All right, you're all caught up on the day today, including Bernie's light in the sand. Bernie is saying now... Hold the infrastructure bill hostage. He called up that little socialist hottie number, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and said, Uh, Andrea, hold it uh, hostage. Hold it hostage. Do not give an inch. You delicious little number. All right. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. There'll be a lot more news tomorrow, that's for sure. See, this is why I do this afternoon podcast, because... News breaks in the afternoon. Have a great day.